cliffcentral.com. All right. We are back and we are live, cliffcentral.com, on a Monday morning. And um, hopefully you had a good weekend. Did you do anything fun over the weekend, Leanne Moore? I can't hear you. I think you're on mute. Sorry. Uh, to be honest, I, I just recovered from a hectic work week. Um, uh? Yeah, uh, just... You know, did you, you you end up when you have a when you have a busy week, you end up doing all the things on the weekend that you wished you could do during the week. So it yeah. ends up becoming quite administrative. I did uh, dish out a large amount of money for new a new set of tires, oh. um, and it's such a grudge purchase. And I, I I actually felt quite sorry for the the tire salesman because they they kind of look a little bit depressed because. <laughs> Everyone handing Same. over their money really doesn't want to do so. They're all no. arguing about the prices. They're, you know, you don't do that when you go grocery shopping. You don't say well, to the teller, you know, this is really expensive. I can't afford yes, it. This uh, month. Absolutely. I had to uh, replace a tire over the, the December holiday. Well, not even the holidays. Before the holidays, we were still doing the show. And I mentioned that I had to go and buy a new tire. And they, first of all, they're damned expensive. And second of all, these guys were truly unbelievably helpful because, I mean, you know, it, it, it was an emergency. I needed to do it because one of the tires had uh, a puncture in it. So mm. it, I couldn't drive on it. It was bad. Yeah, it was and like they came to the rescue. Yeah. But you just, you know, with a tire, what are you going to do? Say, no, I'm going to negotiate. You can't negotiate. You're in no position to do that. You've got to just pay whatever is required. Yeah. And also, if you're going to own what is probably the biggest piece of machinery you own, yeah. You're going to have to expect that it needs upkeep and sure. new tires. I mean, I, I drove through torrential rain last week on two days um, on quite long trips to work yeah. where you couldn't even see the lanes anymore and people were just speeding through it with no lights on and, of mm. course, without the traffic lights working. And, you know, your car, your car's kind of aquaplaning all over the place and you can't really negotiate on your, your safety when it comes to something like that. Well, you talk about torrential rain, a terrible, terrible situation in KZN as if they mm. hadn't had enough nonsense. But we talked about Ladysmith last week and those floods. And there were floods all over Gauteng too. But um, we, I think you might have frozen there. But uh, yeah, so looking at that torrential rain, I know that in Umtlanga this over the past week and this weekend, it's just been horrendous, huge um, swathes of land that have been washed away and in enormous, like, um, sinkholes. Yeah. And water infrastructures just completely wrecked. There are pipes coming out from these deep trenches, spewing water all over the place. And I just Jeez think, man. how much more can these people take? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think this we've lost Gareth. He'll probably come back. Pounding. Yeah. No, absolutely. But yes, um, there was something else interesting that I came across over the weekend. Um, load shedding. There we go. What's that? Oh, oh there we go. Load shedding. Okay. Wow. Well, I was just saying, yeah. I got a, uh, sorry, I got a visitor here. I've got to show you this quickly. Um, during the break, I took this picture. Take a look. Oh, wow. <laughs> sitting in the tree, joining in the show this morning. So we have one more person in the comment section. <laughs> I was going to say, be glad he's in the tree and he's not like right next to you. Though. Uh, <laughs> I, I, 
He's waiting for uh, you to have breakfast so that he can steal so, something. On that note, um, last night I um, I, I got up and, and went to um, to go to, to supper with all the, all the people we're here with. And I walked out of my room and there was a, a hyena outside my room. What? Uh, yeah, big monster. He was a big guy. And, you know, your brain goes, wow, there's a dog. And then you suddenly realize, no, that's not a dog. Not and like dog. some reptile part of your brain immediately goes, oh, shit, this thing's if I go out there like this, it's going to try and eat me. And I suddenly realized, like, I had to, first of all, you must, you must never go out at night at these lodges because we've all heard horror stories, you know, leopards taking people out and that kind of thing. You know, it's not brave and clever to do this. But I grabbed yeah. the umbrella. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this, which is so stupid. Anyway, I did see one of the the rangers walking with a torch just further on. And I'm not a pussy, but I mean, you don't want to end up against a hyena at night because you also don't know how many other hyenas are with that hyena, right? Yeah, absolutely. There was a, a reporter in the US, uh, In a sorry, my Hardy Dars are waking up. Wow. I'm trying to gauge where it's coming from because Garrett's out in the wild it, there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was going to blame it on him, but I think there's more wildlife in our skies at the moment. <laughs> Um, but this woman, this reporter was standing at night next to a bushy area um, mm. doing a piece to camera. And it, it was nothing to do with animals or anything like that. I can't remember. It was some other issue. And the camera, um, you know, zoomed out a bit. And in front of her, this animal came into shot and started walking towards the reporter and she goes, oh, look, there's a dog in our shot. Anyway, so the council says blah, 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 and carries on with her report. And this animal almost brushes past her leg. That's how close it's going. Walking very slowly. Turns out it was a mountain lion. <laughs> I would Jeez. run. Drop the mic. Wow. wow. She still said afterwards, oh, you know, how strange about that dog. And the, the woman back in studio was going, um, I hope that was a dog because <laughs> it just definitely wasn't mountain lion yeah no, quite listen, chill though don't, don't you know these people who are like oh no i'm brave because i uh go out and in, in in the wild walking around in dry <laughs> riverbeds and things at night you're asking for trouble sometimes you don't hear you never hear from the people who get eaten right they're not the ones who come <laughs> or photographers you know like yeah. we, we we have a place in the kruger and we go stay there every now and then and when you go on these game drives to the Kruger, you'll see people get out their cars to take a shot. And it's a strict rule. You're not allowed out of your car. And these people just do it. And I'm like, you you know what? You're on your own. You're on your own with that one. Yeah. I don't want to be part of that. Sorry, I froze, it froze again for a second. Um, so Carl makes a good point, Leanne. Six months ago, you couldn't afford tires. Count your blessings. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I did something. To be fair, tires are an expensive commodity. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, what was interesting as well is that they kind of started me on the highest, the most expensive car. I mean, tire, because that's, you know, that's their job. As soon as I said, I can't afford that, he said, oh, no, no, we've got cheaper ones. And he gave me a cheaper package. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And, and yeah. then... When I said to him, look, I'm going to have to do two tires this month and two tires next. Is that possible? And he said, well, it's definitely, I can't recommend it because you're going to have a, an 18 millimeter difference and then your stability's out and all of this. He said, 
what is your budget actually, if you don't mind me asking? So I was honest and I said, this is how much is left in my account for the month. And he said, okay, I understand. I've got a cheaper tire. Um, it's, <laughs> it's very good. You know, all of our tires go through major tests. So, you know, it's just a bit of a harder rubber. That's the only difference. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody's trying to they everyone's trying to make a living. Yeah. Um 100%. Okay, so apparently uh here's an interesting thing. Uh Darren has friends who went right up to a shark in Cape Town. Yeah, th there was that shark. This was a story we didn't Ooh. really refer to. It was a whale shark in Clifton for God's sake. Uh this whale shark came right up onto the coast. I saw that. And and a bunch of people got into the water. Look, a bunch of people got out of the water and ran, which I think is sensible behavior, even if it's a whale shark that doesn't eat people. But you don't know that. When you see a fin, you're like, I'm out of here. Sorry, mm -hmm. that's me anyway. I wouldn't stick around to find out what was going on there. And then a lot of other people got into the water and then started involving themselves and in interfering with this thing. Nope, nope, nope. Apparently they saved Apparently they saved it because it was a, it was a juvenile that had got too close to the shore and then you know because they're so big they can't move necessarily they beach themselves i don't know if that's true for whale sharks but that looks like it, what what was happening and they saved it so that's good news anthony meteor must have been like over over the hills of that one because i know how much he loves talking about sharks it's over the moon over, over the, the hill moon. means old sorry over the moon <laughs> have a little bit of All a right. moment um there, there was a yeah. seal actually in in cork bay this weekend his name is Bruce. Now, I lived yeah. in Cork Bay, so I know the seals Bruce. there. And they are notoriously old and grumpy and violent and dangerous. Yeah. Um, they look really sweet. They, you know, lie on their sides. I've, in fact, one of my favorite photos I took one morning was of two of them lying in a heart shape. But if you hover over them for a second, they snap up at you and recoil and make these enormous yes. noises these grunting noises so there, there was bruce who's one of them who they noticed had um very tightly a piece of plastic around his neck so they had right. to call in the, the professionals and they even said i know these cult bay seals <laughs> they're, they're you know very difficult to deal with but they managed to uh, cut it off of his neck and it turned out to be do you remember those ghastly, enormous, um, phallic-looking suckers that we had as kids that we would wrap, we'd wear them around our necks. They looked like big dummies. And you, you oh, yes. like, you remember those? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the, the neck piece of one of those and the plastic anchor coming out of that. And you think there was one child or parent who was irresponsible with that piece of plastic. And poor Bruce has had this growing into his blubber for months. It's horrible. But Jesus. yeah, Bruce, Bruce is okay, and so the people had to help him. Unreal, hey? Actually, I mean, you don't think you don't make a difference in the world, and, and you find out that someone just throwing that into the sea or littering or putting it in a river upstream or something and flows down into the sea, yeah, you can cause unbelievable harm. So if you don't think you matter, just remember, A, there's like some seal with plastic around its neck because of some person. And B, if you drive badly this morning, you will make hundreds of thousands of people late if you cause an accident. It's always like the craziest thing, right? Did you see the video of the guy 
who jumped into the ocean from those Durban bridges for content and drowned on camera. Oh my what? God. So I actually, no. I actually yeah. saw the video and I was going to put it up, but I was, the guy died and I was like, we can't no. put that video up. No, but I don't like that. Basically, he he hmm. was on, it looked like the Mschlange Pier, I could be wrong. And he, hmm. he got his friend to film him and he, it was like, I don't want to say at the shallow end, it was obviously a high tide, Aye. but you know when the waves just get too much? And I don't think he oh could sustain God. himself. And I know that's my biggest fear in the ocean is literally when you just can't like get a grip when when the tides are mm, pulling you in. Gain control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what happened to him. And it's oh, it's so sad, but it's also but also so guys, don't, and don't don't be jumping off of uh, the pier and and into the rough sea, even if you can swim. For Instagram likes or for social media, please let's not do stupid shit just to be famous on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not a, it's not a thing. I did find a, a video of that shark, by the way. I don't yeah. know if, if you want to see, I haven't heard the audio. Oh. But this is this is what it looked like. Yeah. Like you see that fin, and I'm gone. Yeah. Same. What kills me is all those people now, like standing around it. No, the people swimming me. towards it. Are you? In, I mean, this is insane. Like, listen, I, I admire. Maybe they, oh, maybe they know something about conservation. Maybe mm. they identified that it was a whale shark, and therefore that whale sharks, because they're not, as far as I can tell, aggressive or carnivorous, that you could go up to them. But still, like, guys, come on. You know, it's the same as jumping off a pier. You're like, why take the chance? Yeah. Uh, just maybe you misidentify it and it turns out to be a really hungry great white. And then and then <laughs> people also get mad for like, you know, sharks getting agitated and killing people. And it's like, but you guys are... Right. I mean, we, we have... And by the way, on that, no, on that note, it's a good idea to uh, promote the series that we did at the end of last year with Anthony Medera, yes. who does Blind History with me. He's also a massive... You mentioned it already, Ryan. He's a massive shark. Um, it's a... I suppose supporter because he's one of the people who's trying to make people more aware of what sharks do, how they behave, what their reasons for doing things are. And if you want to know about sharks, then you need to listen to shark stories. He's mm. got great guests who also know an enormous amount and uh, it's all on cliffcentral.com. It's brought to you by shark safe barrier, which is something that Anthony is actually working on. It's, it's his company. And, um, some amazing, amazing insights into the way that sharks behave. So if you if you find them fascinating, like so many of us do, you need to listen to shark stories. Find it on cliffcentral.com. Oh, boy. Uh, my friend jumped from the cliff in Uvongo and broke his ball. It went inside. Ah! He broke his ball. His ball went inside him. Oh, man. Can you imagine the impact to cause that? <laughs> yes, yes. And then Carl Ryan reminding us. uncomfortable. <laughs> um, listen, we're all uncomfortable at that story. <laughs> Carl brings up something that came up on Friday morning's show, which I'm frankly oh still gosh. reeling from. <laughs> ben told us the story of this woman called Margaret somewhere in the 60s and 70s who like used to jerk off dolphins. And uh, she had this one <laughs> dolphin called Peter who she was very, very close to. Oh. Horrible story. It completely traumatized me over the weekend. <laughs> it came up, came up four or five times in conversation. So... That story is still going. 
especially when you bring up the seals. Leanne, Carl says, uh, if you're anyone to help that seal, you must jerk him off like Margaret would. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Oh, Lordy. Do you know how many seals? Sanella says, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Sanella here. I see that shark, I'm out of the water Same. and mm -hmm. swimming in swimming pools for the next few months before I consider a trip to the beach again. I'm with you, Sanella. I, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, I, I saw a shark while snorkeling. Um, I think I was. I was 23 years old and I've never been back in the sea since. <laughs> never. I can't. And I was still accused, you know, the, the person who took us out, we were looking for dolphins at the time. He, once he got me back into the boat, um, after I'd literally walked on water and caused a, a young girl on the, on the boat to cry uncontrollably and bruised my breasts from trying to get into the boat back into the boat he said to me there are no sharks here and he showed me a picture of a fish and said was it this i was like dude i know what sharks look like i was looking at in the eye i was the furthest out under in deep water and i saw him in the eye mm -mm. but yeah that, i mean even that i'm never i'll never jump into the yeah, sea again you, you you sometimes overreact to stuff i know you i know so I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> hey listen um you have this is, a, I think this is still such a fascinating subject. People are still re remotely working. I mean, I'm doing it at the moment, but some jobs you can't do it. And yet there are still companies where the, the office is empty. People will not get back to the office. There is remote work allowed, uh, even though most companies, I think, have decided that that era is finished now. And I know that there are jobs that continue to be, uh, you know, done from home. I just I hear about this. In fact, I was on a call last week, Wednesday, and I was going to go into the office and then I forgot about it. So I was online for it. But I'm glad I was because it turns out every they have like a work from home day on that day. Oh. So everybody was at home. And if I'd gone to the office, I would have been sitting there on my own in an empty office. So I think this is still happening. But what are the two main reasons I mean, you've, you've got this research, which I think interests people because we're all talking about this stuff and it's still happening. What are the two reasons, the two big reasons that remote workers will not go back into the office? Well, you know, it's all come up because of a recent video by a, a very big company who have since taken the video down um, where the CEO was basically demanding that everybody come back. He was like, yeah. this is a choice. You know, you, you need to come back. Um, it's an instruction. So uh, coming off of that, there have been some sur surveys released. Uh, in a survey of 3,000 remote workers, 25% um, of people it said that they wouldn't go back to the office, even if their bosses did demand it. And the reasons, number one, is boring, and it's something that we know we, you know, we would have expected, and that's flexibility and control of time. But what really surprised me was the number two reason, and it's number two for a reason, because it's bathrooms. 19% of those who said that they didn't want to go back into the office said while they worked at home, they had their own bathroom. They didn't want to share with coworkers anymore. Um, and also a lot of people who work in government buildings um, and more public spaces, they're the ones specifically who don't want to go back because of bathrooms. Um, oh, hang I mean, on. Yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, they don't want to use their own, they don't want to use the public bathroom. Or they don't want to share bathrooms at all with co-workers. 
I no, agree with that. That's a fair enough I, point. I, I don't want anyone using my bathroom, but I have to, I suppose, I have to share with everybody at work, irritating as it is. Yeah, so that's one of the, that's the second main reason. Um, other reasons include, well, number three, um, about 11% of respondents, all women, obviously, cited menstruation. They said they were just simply more comfortable with dealing with that at home, which um, I can completely agree with. Uh, number four, nine percent said that they wanted to stay as remote workers because they enjoyed spending the day with their pets. And it is, it's quite a thing to leave your pet at home. Yeah, but then what day. are you doing? I mean, like Colonel Chris Wyatt, who we, we love on the show, he's quite right. He says here, productivity collapsed with remote working. I know there are people, the exceptions to the rule, who did more work. They were very effective. They get shit done. They work from home. They're incredibly um, disciplined about like work time and home time and being with kids and being with pets. And a lot of people just bug it around. And, oh, I need to go and fetch the kids. Can we do this on remote? I'm like, what did mm -hmm. you do before COVID? You couldn't get away with that stuff then. Yeah, 100%. And just through experience myself, um, I, my position that I have is hybrid. But this year we decided let's start off Jan with a solid few weeks in the office together. And we were able to roll out work so quickly, yeah. just being together, eliminating that step of having to ask for something over email and just asking it over your shoulder so much quicker. It really is. Yeah. You can't deny it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. Too. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, quickly, uh, we've got to fit this in before we get to our last bit for the morning, which involves uh, opportunities for young people to get work. We're all looking at that. You know, we're talking about the uh, the already difficult situation so many young South Africans find themselves in with Shadat Now and Zonia just before the break. But um, we'll be talking to the guys at iFundi, which is a company that is uh, training people in futuristic and technologically enabled careers. Sounds good because it is. And we need to think and focus very hard and what the opportunities are that are presented to young people going forward, because we've got this huge youth unemployment problem, which is actually something Zanya brought up too earlier this morning. But before we get to that, um, this is hugely important research. Um, study has shown how people can tune into how chickens are feeling based on their clucks alone. Uh, it's a clucking interesting subject, uh, 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 uh. but... But I, I cannot, you know, this just proves to me that universities are becoming completely irrelevant. Like, if this is the research they're doing, then we need to shut down the universities. Why do we care how chickens are feeling? Really? Be careful, Gareth. <laughs> but I think if you, if you're, I know, oh I agree God. with you. I agree with you 100%. Is it perhaps only applicable if you're a chicken farmer and you need to know how they're feeling? Um, I don't know. Outrageous. I mean, okay, so it has been proven <clears throat> that humans can pick up, no matter whether they've had experience with live chickens in their lives or not, we are, are innately able to pick up whether chickens are satisfied or whether they're upset about something, just from the differences in their clucks. But if you think about it, that's not really brand, you know, uh, rocket science, because we know already if a cat hisses or if a dog growls, you don't need four legs to recognize those warnings. We know what it means. It means back off in danger. But um, so the universities that you may want to um, know who did this, it was 
a study in the Royal Society Open Science, and it involved yeah. Australia's University of Queensland, because, you know, it's Australia. Isn't that, isn't that where all the chooks are anyway? Um, but what I liked was that the co-author, his name is Jörg Henning, uh, which I thought very was good. quite applicable. Very good. That's not very Australian. <laughs> no, it's not. But let's remember that Australia is also quite diverse. Um, so, yeah, but apparently we we wouldn't have to worry about understanding chickens if we had them as pets. Or um, as one backyard chicken expert says, she's the author of Under the Henfluence. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. She, <laughs> they keep them coming. Uh, she wasn't involved in the study, but she said it's really important because they're not facially expressive because they have Let me just ask you something. Okay, I, I could care less about how chickens are feeling. I mean, frankly, we just eat them or we take their eggs. I'm not that interested in chickens. They're one of the few animals you don't need to feel guilty about. They make us feel guilty about every other animal, and I'm not going to feel guilty about chickens. But I wonder if you're a journalist who writes these stories, if you get paid per pun, like you can hear the hen under the henfluence and the author's name is Henning. There must have been a pun about that too. Um, the, this clucking great thing, which I even made a stupid corny comment at the start of it. Do you think they get paid per dumb pun? I don't, they, they might. I mean, we've, let's see what else they've got in here. They've got, they're definitely more than bird brains. Um, yeah. But. Bird brains, oh my gosh. Those, that book name under the Henfluence and the, and the Jörg Henning, those weren't puns. Those were just there for easy plucking. Okay. Uh, um, Carl, Carl says, happy chickens taste better than unhappy. All right, now here's some research I might care about. Unhappy chickens taste less decent than happy ones. The Willies ones see a psychologist right before they get killed. <laughs> uh, Colonel, Chris, uh, Colonel Chris Wyatt, very active in the comments this morning. Nice to see you, Chris. And he says, I was a farmer. They're wasting their time. Farmers know when things are awry. We don't need university grifters to tell us. Yeah. And then Sanele comes in for some criticism of Ryan. Yeah. Because you said, oh, be careful when yeah. I said cancel universities. Animal uh, what activists. was Gareth be careful about? Animal activists, yeah, well, Gareth. Sanele says, you mustn't be careful about these people. Question a study about chickens' feelings. That's the problem. Telling Gareth to be careful instead of telling the universities to stop fucking around. Now, I did see someone make a comment earlier about how we've run out of new things to discover. It's Aperture Digital Media says, we don't have anything new to discover anymore. Well, when you're doing research on chickens' feelings, I think that's all the proof you need. Yeah, we're, there, we're there, was just, a, there was another one of those never-discovered-before villages um, found in the Amazon last week. Oh, yeah? So that might be that might make up for the for the stupid chicken research, okay? Oh yeah, well, it is city. stupid. At least you at least you admit that it's stupid chicken research. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Unreal. All right. Uh, one or two quick news stories before uh, we get to our last uh, interview for the morning. <sighs> Cyril Ramaphosa, we've discussed. Uh, he he made a speech. In his speech, he said. The employment, unemployment rate in the country has increased to 31.9%, almost like he's bragging about the worst things. Mm. And then he said, you know, the greatest thing is that 28 million South Africans get assistance from the ANC 
to deal with poverty. Now, it's not the ANC, it's from government. Okay, mm -hmm. be very clear about this. Uh, to deal with poverty, that is one of the great achievements of our government to help people deal with poverty. 28 million. So we're a population of 61 million people, right? Somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? Okay, so no idea. he looked. says 28 million. Guys, this is an enormous number of people. That's 60 that million, is a, yeah. uh, no, no, but out of out of the, the 60 million, supposedly the government is having to help 28 million. So I'm just doing a quick calculation over here. That's like 46% of the people in South Africa who are dependent on grants. Half the population almost. Yeah. How's that how's that sustainable? How are we going to manage that going forward? You talk about all the things we've discussed this morning. I mentioned the water project that I saw yesterday, which is absolutely incredible and does wonders for people's lives. But again, they've helped uh, hundreds of villages across South Africa in a similar way. We can't help everybody because it's just not possible. It should be government's job. Uh, we talked about HIV, gender-based violence, teen pregnancy with Zanya. Again, massive problem. Again, public uh, healthcare system can't help with all of these people. So private money is needed. Donations are needed. Corporate money is needed. Um, so the private sector is coming to the rescue in both of those situations. And now we look at the fact that 28 million South Africans need government to help them because they just cannot stand on their own two feet. I mean, obviously there are circumstances where it's not their fault. Yeah. But if 28 million out of 61 million people cannot get up and stand on their own two feet, then we've got a very big problem. And again, before we start worrying about blaming government for that or blaming the economy or blaming the world or any of these things. Let's look to ourselves. I could not imagine any scenario in my life where I would just give up. And I don't know how bad things must be for some of these people. If you're an able-bodied young South African who can buy, sell, you can, I don't know, whether it's offer people uh, a service in terms of cutting their lawn, mm. um, cleaning their house, fixing their roof. I mean, there are all kinds of things that you can do, even unskilled occupations that might not pay well. But if you are reliant on government and you're one of 28 million people who are, first of all, the government shouldn't be boasting about that. Yeah. I think that's a disgrace and it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's an indictment yeah. on our government that they, that they consider it something worth bragging about, that we're helping 28 million people, that we haven't allowed these 28 million people or given them the tools to become self-sufficient. Second of all, what is wrong with 28 million South Africans, many of whom will be young, able-bodied, uh, able to, to, to think for themselves, able to do basic things, what is wrong with those 28 million people that they can't find a place in the economy to matter? Right? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, completely hear you and, and understand. You know, I always try Terrible. to look at the other side Terrible. as well. And I think it's it, when, when the jobs aren't there, they aren't there. Yeah. Um, but the, you, there is something that you can always do. Um, I was well, walking around a, a mall this weekend, Ugh. but anyway, while I was waiting yeah. for my damn tires to be fitted. 
Right. And there are quite a few shops with help wanted and new shops opening and things like that. Mm. Um, I saw quite a few opportunities just while walking around the mall. But, okay. Um, yeah. Good news. Mm, more than what I've seen before. Um, yeah. Yeah, and also I, um, s- I saw a thing on TikTok where, um, you know, Gates and Mackenzie's been encouraging people to tell the foreigners to go leave. Like it's it's yes. getting a bit out of hand. In Nelson Mandela Bay, they were, the youth were going to these like foreign shops and were threatening them to leave the country because they're taking the work from them. They're like, you need to go back to the river you, you crossed. Or something. <sighs> and it's like, oh my gosh. Well, I mean, here's an interesting comment made by Azalea. Do you know how hard it is to get people to work? I live in a mining town and we're desperate for workers. People get paid and they don't come back. Well, when you create a system, and again, I'm not saying that anyone should live in abject poverty, and there aren't necessarily millions of jobs available, but if people would prefer to sit at home on a 350 rand social grant and exist in the most appalling, impoverished, just just terrible circumstances, we've got to ask ourselves what kind of generation we're allowing to think this way about their own future. It, this is not a great way for people to, to consider the opportunities that are afforded to them or the lack of opportunities afforded to them by being part of the economy, by actually making a contribution. Why would you rather just sit at home on 350 rand a month? That is a terrible incentive. And if mm. that's the incentive people are going for, we've got big problems. Ondela says, my brother does not want to work at all. He's very skilled and can do a lot. He is always just waiting for the 350 rand to be released. This month, I want to send him 600 rand so Sasa can stop the grant. Well, oh. again, this is your brother. He's skilled. I mean, I think there's, there's something we need to look at here. Mm. Maybe there's a psychological element to this that we have to, we have to get under the skin of. I, I, I can't believe anyone would be satisfied with 350 rand. And then just sit at home for the month because they don't like working. That's just plain laziness, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also, I, I read a headline where they were they were actually paying people who were dead as well. They were like, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, they were they were sure. mispaying. Something like ten million rand went. Well, through. well, that was uh, Lindiwe Zulu. That was a big story in the news, and it got a lot of attention. Because there's all this money that's supposedly going to SASA grants that isn't even being paid to those people. It's just being pocketed by the politicians. So sure. I just want to move on from that as quickly as we can. All right. So let me put this to you uh, as, as a thought since we're talking about unemployment. I put it maybe to you. I put it to you because that's back in the lexicon now that Oscar's back on the street. Yeah. A training institution that specializes in futuristic and technologically enabled careers helping young individuals to get their first set of skills and their first job, among other things. So for those people who do want to get involved, you'll find this interesting. I spoke to Kapina Chale and to Stefan Lauber, who are from a company called iFundi. Take a listen to this. One of the biggest problems that we have in South Africa is that we have tremendous high levels of youth unemployment. And we've spoken about that ad infinitum on the show. I've spoken about it in the burning platform with Pumi. We're all very well aware of it, but nobody, it seems, is coming up with good solutions. I thought that until I found out about iFundi, which is a training institution that delivers training for corporate and individual consumers. And 
As I read more, I found out these guys are particularly interested in helping people to upskill and to skill themselves in future careers. Um, so we're not thinking about careers that are on their way out. We're thinking about careers that are on their way in. And the two people who are here to tell us about that are Stefan Lauber, who is the CEO of iFundi. He is uh, also a pioneer in skills development. And Kapina Chale, who is a marketing fundi. She is uh, the iFundi marketing manager. So it's very nice to have you both here on the show this morning. Thank you very much for coming. Nice to meet you too, Gareth. Good. And very nice to meet you, Stefan. You're the guy who founded it. You're the CEO and the founder. Yes, correct. Very good. And you actually are a doctor. Well, you have an MBA in medicine. Um, that's a bit of a mistake, to be frank. I studied medicine, but I got a master's in management eventually. Well, I mean, you studied. All I'm saying is you studied. I'm not saying you're out here practicing <laughs> medicine. But okay. I think this is amazing because, I mean, it can show you many things about how careers can develop. And obviously, you've been thinking about how you could create opportunities here in South Africa. So let's just start off with how it all began, iFundi, and, and maybe you can give us a bit of a backstory to why this came about and also why it's so necessary in this country. I arrived in 1992 in South Africa and I started in Orange Farm, okay. setting up a center for community development there. And that um, was a reflection of my passion for development in general. Okay. Uh, eventually, my career evolved, um, became a management consultant at Deloitte & Touche, and then uh, started iFundi. Um, at that time, our founders asked for requests for proposals on new ideas around job creation. Mm. And that was just at the time when the CITAS launched the learnership. So iFundi was probably one of the very first companies in South Africa to launch learnerships. We started in a call center industry, which uh, we realized the barriers to entry on one side are low, yet call centers even today cry that they can't find good people. Mm. And despite our millions and millions of unemployed youth. So then we realized how can we close that gap, train people, and then place them in call centers who need to work. Eventually that worked very well. And we saw the opportunity to expand into other industries. Mm -hmm. So today we have over 30 qualifications. And as Kapina earlier on said, or you said it, I think, it's about futuristic, technologically enabled job. In 2017, I conducted through iFundi consultation with 20 industries. So the, the banking, insurance, manufacturing, right. you name all of that. That was a precursor to the original job summit. And the question we ask people is, how do you create jobs? What are your challenges as employers and how can we help you? How can we together create jobs? And when we consulted the banks and the insurance, they says, no, we're not gonna create jobs. We're gonna destroy jobs. And I said, you can't say that. And we, you know the problem we're having in South Africa. Mm. And the answer was always no, it's the fourth industrial revolution. That was the moment where I realized if there's gonna be job destruction, then we need to prepare ourselves in general as companies, but also as individuals to uh, follow that transition, that transformation into the technological space. So that's where iFundi changed gear. And uh, since then we have been working in that space. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned job destruction, but essentially what is really going on is that people are just moving from one area to another. It's not as if 
those jobs are going to be completely destroyed. People need new skills in new areas. Absolutely. For me personally, um, the great revelation of 2023 was ChatGPT, mm. or as they call it, AI tools in general. Right. And in our company, at my day-to-day -day work, I use those tools every day. Does it mean I'm out of a job? No. Rather, I've become much more productive, much more innovative, much more creative. And so all our staff, especially people in the marketing department, they use these tools all the time. So we really have a choice as a business, as a fundi, mm. to embrace technology or as an individual, as an employee, to go with it or get left behind. So the issue is, as you said, it's not about, my personal opinion, it's not about job destruction. Yeah. It's about reskilling. And most importantly, I always say to my colleagues, it's about curiosity. The Love desire that. to change, the desire to be a somebody, as a company, to be on the leading edge. I think that is, for me, the number one issue about the future. Do we want to move forward or just stay behind? Um, Kapina, can you tell us exactly what sorts of jobs? Because, you know, it sounds terrific and it makes sense. And a lot of this stuff is, is absolutely generally true. But when people hear about it, they go, well, what sort of jobs are you talking about? What sort of training are you talking about? And what kinds of opportunities will exist for people if they do this training with iFundi? Oh, okay. So we have a qualification called Accelerated Certificate in IT Digital Skills, and it will enable you to learn systems development within the first year. And then the next six months, you're doing a specialization. So you're going to do a specialization within five different mediums, which is cybersecurity, robotics, um, cloud computing, data analytics, and we also have a few more. So basically you are able to enable yourself to get to know all these different types of qualifications and careers that you can jump into. These careers are futuristic and they are completely digitally enabled. So what we would encourage people out there is that whether you're already within a job mm. or you are going into your first job, you should consider careers that are outside the normal scope and see what is out there in terms of where technology is moving the entire industry. Now, what's interesting about what you guys do is mm -hmm. that you also help to place people in jobs. It's not as if it all just ends once you've got a qualification. You've got a vast network of employers. So that for many people would be a far bigger pull factor than just getting a qualification. We have universities that are churning people out and they can't find jobs, right? Yeah. So that's interesting. You can earn while you learn, which will maximize the earning potential while you're acquiring that valuable experience. How do you get that right? Okay, so first we had to look at what is the problem in the market? What is the challenge out there? So even though people are studying at big universities doing traditional education, mm. there is still a lot of unemployment. But then also, um, even though there's still a lot of graduates, um, employers are still saying that there's, there's a skills shortage. So what is the problem in all of that? We have graduates, we have people who are looking, we have employers that are looking for Who's not people. telling the truth? Yes, who's not? <laughs> telling the truth right? right no but the thing is the industry is changing very rapidly and just for instance um ai it is attacking most industries mm -hmm. so the problem is that traditional education is not producing people that are employable 
So what iFundi does, we make sure that your people that are people who are going to come into your organization are digitally enabled they're ready to use their skills and they're even able to fit into all the new processes that you that the company is now developing and coming up with and because of ai and all sorts of technology that is coming up um companies are also changing their processes. So people who are already in the job market, they should also upskill so that they can keep up with um, the demand that is there in order to be digitally enabled. So Stefan, an interesting part of this, and you mentioned AI, you know, there are so many tools that are at our disposal now, and people can do your courses online. So you don't have to be at a campus, you don't have to stay somewhere, you don't have to be within driving or walking distance. That's very good. But you also will learn about AI technology and how you could put that to work in your own job going forward. And I think it's pretty interesting that you also will learn to master the skills that employers want. Because as Kapina's already said, there's this disconnect sometimes between the educational institutions and qualifications on one hand and what the market actually needs on the other. The I think the magic word that they have used in South Africa is work integrated learning. Mm. Or we can use old fashioned English, it's called learning on the job. Right. Okay. What does that mean is uh, we like to place you as soon as possible in a company right. while you study with us. So there is a link between what you experience at work and what we teach in the classroom. So the two constantly uh, talk to each other. Compared that to the traditional education, when you go three, four years into university, and uh, when you arrive, you don't even know how to open the door. Okay, <laughs> so um, that's uh, that has been at the heart for of Ifundi for the last twenty years is that approach to work integrated learning, and um, I do believe, contrary to what many people say in the world, or especially in South Africa, I do believe that the Sita Sakwa system is world-leading. Okay, um, that's it, good to it hear. It is best practice, I think, it in Europe where we have apprenticeships for hundreds of years, these type of approaches of learning and combining that with uh, work is not new. But to take that integrated approach into the future, so in other words, in IT training, um, combining, pe giving people work experience while you train mm. them in the latest skills, that system is well entrenched in South Africa. We have our problems, we all know them. Sure. But I think the fundamental design, what they used to call, I think they still call it the National Qualifications Framework. I think uh, it is very well set to help South Africa move in the future. And as I fundi, we have confidence that we can bring that to the world, not just to South Africa, but to help people around the world uh, to develop themselves. I love it because what you're doing is solving not just a, a gap in the market, which is what businesses do. And you are a business. We'll talk in a moment mm. about what, what, because people immediately go, well, what is it going to cost me? And you have those numbers for us. <laughs> um, but, but it's also a solution to a much bigger problem in South Africa, which is this, this huge crisis we have of youth unemployment. And there's nothing worse for someone than to feel like they don't have a purpose. And there are so many things that we can do in this country, and you're obviously showing the way. I believe you're in partnership with Capitech. Is that right? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, very good. So they help students who can't afford their fees. But your fees are, and I don't think this is unreasonable, 
application fees 150 rand? Absolutely. So we are on a big mission to mm. kind wow. of combat the unemployment curve. So we make sure that our fees that are affordable, first of all. And then on top of that, if you're still struggling to pay the fees, we give you the opportunity to apply for a student <laughs> loan with Capitec. So the beauty of this is that you get up to seven years to pay back your student loan, which is almost unheard of. So all you have to do is apply with iFundi. And then while you're busy with your application process, then we're going to transfer you to Capitec. And then once they know Amazing. that you are now applying for iFundi, and then you can come up with a payment agreement within that seven years. So imagine you're able to study fully study and then finish, get a job, get your first entry level job. And on top of that, you also get leeway on how to pay your fees. Because let's be fair about this. I mean, the cost of studying mm -hmm. for most people is prohibitive. And it's one of the reasons that we also have so many people who fall out because they can't afford to keep studying, right? Absolutely. Exactly. It's terrible. So also just to, to let people know, where can they go to get information here? Because there may be uh, parents listening now, there may be friends, there may be the, 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 the young people themselves who are looking for this opportunity. Where can we go to find out all the info and to figure out the way forward? What's the okay, best? so you can definitely go onto our website, which is www.ifundi.co.za. You can also contact us on WhatsApp. We are fully available and you will see our number first thing when you go onto our website on all of our social media platforms. And speaking of our social media platforms, we are very active there and we respond immediately. Awesome. So, and if you happen to see any of our paid media ads, just go ahead and fill in the lead form and then a consultant will call you in less than 24 hours. So we make sure that we cater correctly for our students and we make your application process very easy. It's a quick, easy application form, which takes less than two minutes. And then once you have submitted it, then that is almost at the end of the road because you have now started your big journey of applying for varsity. So, and then once you are fully accepted and if in case you need a student loan and then you are approved by Capitec, cause it also depends on your credit worthiness. Mm -hmm. um, sure. But the beautiful thing is that you can actually even get a parent or a friend or a family member to apply for you if in case you have a bad credit worthiness. I know it's fantastic no, listen, and unheard of. <laughs> no, I think this is really extraordinary. It's, it's revolutionary stuff. And, and if we don't think about these things before they happen, then we will have job losses and we will have even worse unemployment. So well done to both of you for the work that you're doing. And there we go, ifundi.co.za. You can find out everything you need to know there. They're on social media too. And thank you very much, Stefan and Kapina, for coming in this morning. Thank, thank you, you so guys. much. Let's see you both.